I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 1039 WYAB here in the Mack Hike of Flowwood Studios. Uh, today's Thursday. Next hour, we'll talk to Stone Clanton. I ran across an interesting story. He's with uh, Americans for Prosperity. Their job is to try to kind of unleash economic freedom here in the state of Mississippi. That's their main focus. There's a whole lot of things that people with Americans for Prosperity would probably agree with on some social issues, these kinds of things, battling back the left. But they're, they have got a kind of a laser-like focus, and that is about uh, prosperity. Here in the state of Mississippi for the local chapter, there's an interesting story that I'm going to talk to Stone about. It's called the Great Resort, as opposed to the Great Reset. Uh, I'm a national divorce guy. I think we've gotten to a point in this country where we just kind of need to self-segregate to a degree. The federal government has failed all of us, both sides, young, old, black, white, Hispanic. It doesn't matter. federal government has failed you. Uh... It's time for everybody to go into smaller pockets and govern themselves at the state level, as far as I'm concerned. But what's interesting about this great resort is that there is a big migration of people going on in this country right now along uh, political lines. Some pretty big numbers, actually. And Mississippi may be missing an opportunity to attract uh, some productive people around this country. And so we'll talk a little bit about this article uh, with Stone along with what else America's Prosperity has got going on heading into our legislative session. Uh, I also have a scary deja vu headlines, and I'll let you decide. Should we be concerned, or is Mike Madison just being paranoid? I have just completed on uh, last Friday. I did take a few days off, a little R&R, a little fun for the holidays, but I did, uh, on Friday, posted my 1,000th podcast you can find the Mike Madison show uh, all over the place. Uh, Apple Podcast, Podbean. I think it's on the TuneIn app. I don't even know where all it is, but uh, a thousand podcasts. I've got a body of work out there now. Should I ever run for office? If anybody wants to know, that is a <laughs> that's a about a fifteen hundred hours of an ask me anything. And you'll get where I'm coming from. So anyway, if you're ever looking for the podcast, particularly the health show, I think that's worth a second listen sometimes if you miss it. But uh, you can find it at the Mike Madison Show uh, somewhere out there. You know, I've, I've dropped uh, dropped out of kind of the mainstream. I've started to recoil a little bit from society at large. I'm probably a bit of a weirdo at this point. I don't do social media, and I haven't had cable. I started thinking about it. I think I've been saying I haven't had cable for a year. I think it's been longer than that. It may be a couple of years now since I've had cable. And it's, it's it was really interesting to me. I was in a, a hotel room, 
And so I had to use the channel guide. I believe this was a direct TV setup here. And not knowing what any of the channels are, you know, we have to go through the guide. I, I got to tell you, this is just, I, I don't even know why I bring this up. It's just, it was so amazing to me. I found myself not watching any shows, but just going up and down the channel guide to, to, to try to get a, uh, a window into the minds of Americans. There had to have been 40 to 50 uh, shopping and infomercial channels. Uh, in this lineup. And, and the thing is, they must work. All of these things cost money. They must be, I would assume, relatively dirt cheap. But I was amazed. Between between the fact that there's basically nothing on cable television, save uh, some sports events, 24-hour news, if you want to be misled at any point in 24-hour news cycle. More on that in just a second. But I was absolutely stunned. You know, there was a day, there was a day when you might be clicking through when there was not a channel guide. Yes, I'm that old. And you're clicking through channels and you happen upon a very interesting uh, leaf blower uh, slash weed trimmer slash chainsaw combo that would pull some of us guys in for a few minutes. But now we live in channel guide world where we can actually look at the channel and what's on it before we go. What in the what are we doing? I looked at this and thought, how in the hell are 40 to 50 home shopping and, and infomercials LifeLock? Uh, what else to say? Emerald Lagasse. Good Lord. This guy was hawking wares all over the channel guide. I did not click on any of these things. I just found it absolutely amazing. I mean, at this point, I just looked at the sheer amount of crap that is on television. And again, uh, everybody knows this. I'm not breaking any new ground here. I've just been away from it for so long. And at this point, I feel like I'm like an alien that has just come down to earth. And I'm looking around the landscape of what's happening. And I don't understand any of it. Absolutely any of it. It doesn't matter if it's politics, if it's health, if it's popular entertainment, if it is this what what's happened to our airwaves. We there was more substance on the three channels plus PBS back in the day. Again, yes, I'm that old. Now I was little little when that was taking place, but I do remember pretty much the big three plus that ETV thing you could catch a Sesame Street on every now and then. But I remember those. there was more substance probably on those three networks than there are on the 450 channels that are on television right now. Uh, some quotes of the day. This is from uh, Robert Anton Wilson. He said, quote, To work for libertarianism, to oppose the growth of government and aid the liberation of the individual, used to be an idealistic choice taken for purely idealistic reasons. Now it is an act of intelligent and almost desperate self-defense. <laughs> he's, he's exactly right. Libertarianism is, is an interesting concept. It, it's about you know freedom, basically taking us about, back to the founding fathers' uh, vision for this country. Republicans have somehow convinced conservatives that that's dangerous. <laughs> it's fairly interesting to watch. Funny tweet from the GOP in just a second, too. But at this point, it is just purely it is self-defense. Please, for the love of God, can we stop this government before it runs over all of us? Tommy Massey tweeted out, I'll never understand the ideology that believes selfish, 
power-hungry, not very smart, ethically flawed people are well-suited to determine every aspect of their neighbors' lives so long as those flawed individuals win an election or get hired into a bureaucracy. And that's that's inside the mind. Thomas Massey, famously the libertarian-leaning uh, Republican from Kentucky, uh, people believe that because you've won 50 percent plus one vote somehow you are given some legitimacy to rule over my life uh i do not believe that i did find a quote here this is an interesting one i found out i have something in common with michelle obama Uh, michelle obama was speaking to revolt i don't know what that is i didn't click on the follow-through i don't know if if that's a radical magazine or it's just a magazine for revolting people but speaking to revolt in early december she said quote People think I'm being catty for saying this. It's like there were 10 years where I couldn't stand my husband. And she's referring to Barack Obama. And I thought that was kind of interesting because I'm now about 14 or 15 years uh, into not being able to stand her husband, too. So Michelle Obama and I have something in common. Uh, Whitney Webb, a great investigative reporter, has done a lot of work on uh, particularly the Epstein stuff. If you have not listened to any of Whitney Webb's stuff, she's got a new book out, The United States of Blackmail, I think it is, something along those lines. I think it's 900 pages. And when I talk about an investigative reporter, she, she, you want to talk about going down a rabbit hole of information, that is Whitney Webb. She's thorough. I'll put it that way. She's very thorough, almost to the point of uh, it's hard to follow her. But when I see a Whitney Webb, I remember I used to watch some of her stuff on Jeffrey Epstein, and she ties all these different people together and all their commonalities and how they work together and their business relationships and uh, their social ties. I'd have to listen to an hour-long interview from her two or three times to be able to really absorb this spider's web of corruption that we have. But she's great, but she tweeted this out. The personal savior obsession among Americans is deeply ingrained and deeply problematic. Nothing will get better in the U.S. unless people take responsibility for their own lives and communities and stop looking to celebrity-esque figures to save them from the world's problems. This is on the left and the right. I think the right may have more of a problem with this now, this idea of taking these celebrity-esque figures and turning them into some kind of a, a savior. We can just sit back and wait until Elon or Trump or Kanye solves everything for us. We cheer them on hard enough, uh, they'll take care of it all. Uh, Somebody responded to that said, This country was founded in the unique governing insight that personal responsibility was the necessary condition for human freedom. We've strayed so far from what it means to be American, and now half of us are so lost we don't recognize tyranny when it stares us in our face. And then there was this. This is the funniest tweet of the day. Uh, the Republican Party. The Republican Party tweeted this out. Uh, this was on December 28th. What's today? Is today the 29th? I'm getting lost. You know how vacations are. Uh, yesterday at 2.33 p.m., I've said, you know, the sense of humor has really migrated to the right. The left has lost all sense of humor. And so the right is where most of the comedy is coming from now, and I couldn't be more thrilled to see the memes and the funny tweets and everything, but the Republicans have outdone themselves with this one. The Republican Party yesterday tweeted out, Republicans believe in limited government. (laughs) Oh, these guys. I don't know who's writing this stuff, but uh, 
Republicans believe in limited government. Now, it was interesting just in the time that I saw this, somebody had uh, had put this out on a Twitter thread. Uh, they're getting ratioed on this, and it's not just by the left. There's a lot of people in there, oh, you're for limited government, except when it comes to LGBT and abortion and some other stuff. There's some leftists on here, uh, but there's a whole lot of... Uh, there's a whole lot of people from the right that are taking exception to the GOP saying they oppose or they are in favor of limited government. I love this one person. His name is John Hawkins. I know a John Hawkins. Don't know if it's the same guy, but he said, if you had to prove that in a court of law, what would be the evident what would the evidence be other than this tweet? Uh, this is from the Republican Party, whose leadership I just voted for the one point seven trillion dollar. Uh, omnibus bill and has been putting us into nation wrecking debt has built the police state has empowered the deep state has facilitated and encouraged the federal reserve this is not a party that believes in limited government i'd love seeing them getting ratioed uh, on that tweet that was another thing about having cable for a few days while i was in a hotel did a little channel surfing. I thought, well, let's just take a sneak peek at what Fox News is up to. Uh, outside of people who send me uh, Tucker Carlson clips from time to time or catching him on YouTube, uh, I have not darkened the door of Fox News for quite a period of time, too. But I do like to take a peek behind the curtain, see what the boomers are listening to these days. And there was uh, it was these same stuff as when I left. Conservative media is absolutely propaganda. A ton of uh, anti-Russia stuff. I guess this still works on the boomers. But Fox News, they had William Bennett on. I saw him in the brief amount of time I could stomach uh, watching Fox News. So I guess they've got the same people going on Fox News that have been going on there for the last 30 years. These stalwart boomer heroes. No offense, boomers. But somebody's keeping Fox News in business, and I don't think it's the younger people. I also noticed uh, when it comes to conservative media and propaganda, Breitbart had this article up. Holiday sales up 7.6% in 2022, but outpaced by 8.5%. And you know the term they're going to use. This is Breitbart. But outpaced by 8.5% Biden inflation. Why does the Breitbart news site want to give the Federal Reserve, the true deep state, why do they want to give them a pass? Why do they want to let them off the hook? You almost have to ask yourself why all these conservative outlets... Uh, continue to try to mislead the American people on exactly what causes inflation. For those of you who might be new to this show, you didn't just tune into some leftist. I take on conservative media and the GOP from the right. I attack them from the right, not from the left, from the right. There is nothing conservative uh, about Fox News when it comes to limited government, nothing about the Republican Party that is true limited government stuff. And there's nothing about Breitbart that isn't just purely partisan and uh, gaslighting its own supporters. When I come back, a little bit of economic news, and then we're going to get into this, these headlines I'm seeing, and I'm trying to decide if it is something we should be concerned about. It feels like a lot of deja vu, or am I just being paranoid? We'll get to that in just a little bit. Stick around. This is the Mike Madison Show, 1039 WYAB. I was gone for about four days, and I came home yesterday. Apparently, I had some raw liver in my refrigerator, 
That sealed real well, and it turned on me. It had been in there for a little while. I'm having trouble uh, in my largely carnivore diet, although I have deviated from that. We'll get back on it next week. Um, been trying to incorporate organ meats into what I eat, and liver is one of those. But i got to tell you, I'm, I'm a little slow on the uptake of the liver, so I had some raw liver in my refrigerator when I opened my refrigerator yesterday like a punch in the face. You know that smell when some meat has turned on you? Uh, my fault, totally my fault, nothing to do with the quality of the meat whatsoever. I just left it kind of out and unsealed well, and it just had it for too long. The, the reason I bring it up is because I may be a little slow on the show today. I put butter in my coffee, and some of these smell molecules, and as somebody who studies a lot about health, I do not know the answer to the question. Some of these smell molecules from, from this liver apparently permeated my stick of butter that is now in my coffee, and I find myself drinking my coffee this morning with a, with a sense of dread. I'm a little concerned I might have to bail on the show in the, in the middle of it. I don't know what I'm doing. Can these smell molecules actually make you sick? I'm not eating the liver, but this was something within a few feet proximity of the liver and has taken on some of its odor. Uh, I'm a little concerned. I'm about halfway through this giant cup of coffee, too, so the damage may have already been done. But uh, if I'm a little punchy on the show today, it's because I'm not going to be able to I think I'm going to have to bail on this cup of coffee. That's rough. Um, Interesting stuff in the markets. Now, uh, the technology stocks really led the charge as the market was going through the roof because of things like STEMI and endless uh, Fed money printing for the last 14 years, and particularly the last couple of years. But I ran across this list of tech stops. If tech stocks led the way up, Is it possible they are about to lead the way down? And I wanted to read off this list of what has happened to the tech sector. A woman named Genevieve Roche-Dechter, she is a chartered financial advisor, said many public stocks are not investments, they are schemes for insiders and bankers to cash out at your expense. The sooner you realize this is the game Wall Street plays, the better. I want you to listen to some of the returns of these tech stocks since they hit their peak, and most of these peaks were hit, I guess, in late, uh, what are we in now, 2022, late 2021. I think maybe December was the uh, tech peak. Carvana. Carvana, this is that online. Now, if I have to buy another car, and I keep toying around with swapping out my two-seater sports coupe for an SUV as a single guy, it is just almost impossible to live without something you can carry some cargo in. I will go to Mack Hike of Flowood, definitely, if I decide to look for a car. But I will say the car I'm currently driving, I bought from Carvana. It it took about 15 minutes from my couch to order about a $30,000 car and have the financing and everything lined up. It was really a seamless uh, process. I don't know what they have done to screw that up. The Carvana stock, since it's, and I'm not telling anybody to go to Carvana, because uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do with your money if you give them a deposit at this point. Carvana stock, since it's peaked, down 99%. Peloton, down 95%. Now, this one warms my heart. Beyond Meat. One of these faux meats they're trying to give us, another sustainability play, a lot of these things. I can't remember. There's a distinction between Impossible Burger and Beyond Meat. One of them's loaded up with GMOs and probably all kinds of weed killer in there. Uh, Beyond Meat is down 95%. Americans aren't buying it. Gotta love you. Look, we turned down the metric system when they tried to foist that upon us. 
Hopefully we can turn down the bugs and the push towards synthetic meats as well. Beyond Meat not getting any traction. It's down 95%. Coinbase, one of the crypto uh, exchanges. I, believe, I think that's an exchange, isn't it? Coinbase down 92%. Teladoc down 92%. Lemonade, I don't even know what the hell that is. It's down 93%. Robinhood. Robinhood is down 91% from its peak. Robinhood famously played its part in the GameStop when when the average investor, the little guys out there, loaded up their Robinhood accounts with their stimmy checks and went after some of those uh, meme stocks. AMC and, uh, and GameStop, Robinhood cut people off from being able to to buy anymore, which assured that the stock would sink, protecting a lot of Wall Streeters, a lot of nefarious things going on with Robinhood. They never told you how they made money. It's free, they told you. It's free to trade stocks on Robinhood. They didn't tell you they were basically uh, selling all of your trades to companies like BlackRock so they could front run it. If you put in an order on Robinhood to buy a stock for a dollar, uh, they gave that information to BlackRock, and BlackRock said, oh, look at that. I'll tell you what. We'll buy it for a dollar, and we'll sell it to them for a dollar and one cent. And they just took their little VIG off the front front end of everything. But Robinhood's down 91%. Snap, parent company, I guess, of Snapchat, down 90%. Zoom, Zoom down 89%. DocuSign, down 83%. Spotify, down 80%. Netflix, down 59%. And, boy, I warned you. I told you, Tesla is down 72%. There is an air pocket under Tesla stock right now, and I believe it has got a much farther way to fall. Uh, I did say, (laughs) at the time Tesla was trading, it was more valuable, I believe, than all other car manufacturers combined, something along those lines, something absurd. And I told you that it was absolutely insane to see what Tesla's uh, valuation was there's I, I beat the drum on that for many many times so if anybody heard me and paid any attention to it and got out of tesla stock boy did i say, save you a painful painful ride i wanted to play this uh, quick little clip on the financial system this is um I, I this is not great wall street silver's twitter account put this out this is from november of this year according to this tweet and this is a, a bunch of bankers, and I believe the guy you're going to hear second is uh, Gary Cohn. He was Donald Trump's economic advisor originally. This is my first uh-oh moment when Donald Trump hired the former president of Goldman Sachs to be his national economic advisor. The guy's name is Gary Cohn. Uh, Trump also hired about 11 other Goldman Sachs guys and put them into a very tight circle around in his administration. That was the first time I went, "Uh uh-oh. I had forgotten, you know, that the battle is not between Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and liberals. It's between Citibank and Goldman Sachs. The Democrats love Citibank. Obama surrounded himself by Citibank officials, as did Bill Clinton. Uh, George W. Bush had our Treasury Secretary Hank Paulson from Goldman Sachs. Donald Trump brought a Goldman Sachs guy in for Treasury and economic uh, advisor, Gary Cohn and uh, Steven Mnuchin, both Goldman Sachs guys. So the battle is not between. Uh, they, they give you all the little talking points, make you go out there and fight with your friends. I'm for this. I'm for that. I'm for, you know, but really what it is, it's Goldman Sachs and Citibank. Citigroup, I guess it is now. 
fighting over it. But anyway, this was just kind of interesting. I want you to pay attention to the language in this thing. This is a group of these banker types, and I believe the second guy is Gary Cohen. Isn't it? There's no attribution there, but I think I recognize him. And they are talking basically about the banking system, and apparently they're looking at it and thinking, you know, it doesn't look like it's really, uh, there may be some, some concerns there, but I want you to hear what uh, Gary Cohen, uh, Trump's former national economic advisor, has to say about it. It should be accessible when people need to know, but I don't think you have much hope of, of reaching a public that doesn't have a professional need to know. I, I completely agree with that. Okay, so so what they're saying is they, they I, I, I wish I had more context for this. I'm going to look it up. But they've apparently got their, this is a group of bankers all around the table talking about the financial crisis. I guess they're taking a look at the FDIC, that thing that insures all your money. Now, we know that if there's ever huge, massive bank failures, FDIC doesn't have near enough money uh, to cover everybody's accounts. But for the occasional failure here or there, they're short up enough to take care of it. Anyway, it gives us all a warm, fuzzy feeling when we go into the bank and we see that big FDIC thing. We just think like, ah, my money's safe. Uh, so they've, they, I guess they're looking at some things that say, eh, you know, if we had a real crisis, uh, people's money might not be safe. So this is Gary Cohen. He's going to come in here and say, well, I don't think we really need to tell the public about that. I almost think you'd scare the public if you put this out. Like, why are they telling me this? Should I be concerned about my bank? Like my insurance company doesn't tell me what they're doing with my assets. They just assume they're going to pay my claim, right? It's it's. I think you've got to think of the unintended consequences of taking a public that has more full faith and confidence in the banking system than maybe people in this room do. <laughs> that- now understand what he just said. This is a this is a group of bankers. Meeting in one of these, they've all got well, very nice suits, very nice suits. They're sitting around this round table, and he just said, maybe the American public has more faith uh, in the banking system than we do. See, they're the people who actually know what's going on in the banking system. We're the rubes out here just trusting them that everything's going to be okay. More full faith and confidence in the banking system than maybe people in this room do. <laughs> They, oh, and they laugh about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we know. We know. We know what a cluster this is. We absolutely know how dangerous this is for the normies out there. But <laughs> don't don't tell them. We want them to have full faith and confidence in the banking system. They know the FDIC insurance is there. They know it works. They put their money in. They're going to get their money out. So there, there's a select crowd of people that are in the institutional side. And if they want to understand this, they're going to find a way to understand this. There's a bunch of law firms represented in this room. There's a bunch of people that will charge them by the hour a lot of money to explain this all to them. And, and, and it's fine. I don't, have a, I don't have a problem with that. And they all have huge staffs. But I would be careful about the unintended consequences of starting to blast too much of this out in the general public. Okay. So, I, I, as I say, I'm lacking some context into what exactly they're looking at. But what he just said was, Apparently, there's some cause for concern. And what he said is, well, look, for the, us, the investor class, we've got attorneys, we've got staffs, we can parse through this stuff. We'll pay the $500, $2,000 an hour to our big Tony law firms so they can understand this and protect us all. But let's be cautious about telling the American people about what we find. It might just freak them out. Again, I believe. 98% sure. This is Gary Cohn, former Goldman Sachs banker who Trump put in as this national economic advisor, you know, to make the country great for all of us, right? 
He's sitting around a round table saying, yeah, we may have some problems with the solvency of the banks. Let's not tell the American people about it. Don't worry their pretty little heads. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. I'll admit uh, I got caught flat-footed. As I said, I've got now a 1,000 podcasts in the can. I'm going to go back and listen to some of my podcasts from February, March of 2020. When I was reporting on China shutting down entire cities, and I remember saying, paraphrasing a little bit, because I haven't listened to uh, things like, can you even imagine? I, I said, you know, they've, they've shut down cities with 20 million people. Can you even imagine if they tried to do that here and shut down like New York City? I was so young, so naive. And then they came and did it here. At the time, I never thought... Regardless of what was going on in China, regardless of the fact there was a flu going around, and and, and I'll admit the headlines out of China were a little scary at the time. We had the videos of people just falling over in the streets. I'm sure that was not uh, an accident that we were treated to these videos. But I never would have imagined for the life of me in January, February of 2020 that Tate Reeves would shut down churches and cops would be arresting people for being in their cars in a church parking lot a couple of months later. So I don't want to get caught flat-footed again. So I'm not sure if I'm being paranoid right now or if we have some cause for concern. Here are the headlines, and they just did it on the news break before I came back on air. Lack of info on, on China. COVID surge stirs global concern. Worse than 2020? Question mark. Countries rush to control travel. Now, this feels kind of deja vu-y to me. Now, I know a lot of us are past COVID now. Matter of fact, there's maybe people who turned off when they said, oh, the guy's going to discuss COVID. And if you start talking about those shots again, I just can't. I've told you this is an ongoing crime. At what point do you want to stop talking about an ongoing crime? You know, FTX busted up, right? A lot of people lost a lot of money there, but it happened. But can you imagine if they just there was just this organization that was constantly sucking up mil- millions and billions of dollars into a black hole, admittedly stealing it all, and we just sat around and went, yeah, yeah, they're still stealing a bunch of, uh, bunch of people's money. We don't need to talk. We don't need to warn people about it anymore. That's just We're just going to let it happen. Or, as I have dis- described the vaccine program, it's like having a sniper on the side of I-55. Every now and then, not everybody, and I'm going to explain that in just a second, heard a very interesting podcast this weekend on my travels about the COVID shots. But a lot of people have died from these COVID shots. Admittedly, on VAERS. We don't know the real numbers, but even on VAERS, 35,000 people. And that number goes higher still trickling higher, so it's like a sniper on the side of I-55. I mean, you know, maybe a thousand cars go by. Well, no incident whatsoever. Being on I-55 for them is perfectly safe, but then ka Somebody gets popped going down I-55. I believe if there was a sniper on I-55, we would report on it until that sniper was apprehended and the shooting was stopped. We wouldn't just go, oh, yeah, there's a sniper out there. Nobody's caught him. People are still dying every day. On to the weather. 
Um, so what's interesting is uh, China had their own version of a shot. China did not take the Pfizer and BioNTech shots. Uh, but the headlines are right now, what I've heard is that 5,000 Chinese are dying every day. The morgues are overrun. And so there's a very real possibility, much like what we've got going on in the Western countries, who undertook the great genetic experiment. And I'm not sure what Sinovax, I think that's what they called their shot over there. I don't know if it was mRNA-based or not. I do believe the Chinese have got a real motive to try to get rid of some of their people. 1.3 billion people. That's a lot to handle in a communist regime. <laughs> You've got to have a lot of enforcement. Apparently, they've been able to pull it off. But I bet you they would think that, you know, 500 million in China, in China would be much easier to manage. Just my thinking. Uh, but they may be having the same situation over there where they have rolled out an experimental shot. And it is experimental. It doesn't matter where in the world it is or what the formulation is. Nobody's got any long-term safety testing on any of this stuff. So did the Chinese harm their immune system so bad that now some little COVID or some disease is going through there and just ripping them apart? because they've compromised their immune systems. And so this is, as again, I go back and I've said this before, this is the mind-bending part of it. Have a disease, give people a shot that weakens their immune system. Then when it comes around again, it actually appears worse than it really is because you've harmed so many people's immune systems. And when that happens, you throw out all of the restrictions again. You demand more people take the shots that are actually causing the spike in the first place. Do you understand this cat chasing its tail situation, except much, much more dangerous and not near as cute on a Twitter video? So I don't know exactly what's going on, but I'm telling you these headlines out of China now where we're, we're saying we've got to have a negative test. How long? And I, I might put the over under by the end of today. Certainly within the next few days, we will hear of Chinese travelers that were in Las Vegas. And we now have some people quarantined because they were around some Chinese travelers in Las Vegas or San Francisco or Los Angeles or wherever it is. And then the hand wringing will begin again. I'm just saying it was a, almost exactly at this time two years ago, three years ago now, 2019, when the rumblings first came out that China's got this problem. They're not being honest. Look at all the people who are dying. I'm telling you, either I've got PTSD and I'm hypersensitive to this stuff, or they are about to ramp this up again. And when this comes, if this comes, if this is a new variant, if anything outbreaks uh, in January, February, March, and remember, that's the same time frame that it was in 2022. I know a lot of us are over COVID. I mean, we know what we're dealing with now, but if something comes over here, even though to those of us, to us purebloods out here, it's a big nothing burger because our immune systems are fully functioning. If the 200 million Americans who have submitted themselves to the genetic experiment cannot handle whatever comes, uh, it will be couched to everybody as a new, more deadly blank. And that is what is just terrifying to me. As I said, maybe it's PTSD. Uh, I'm going to come back. I listened to an interview with, um, who was it? Ryan Cole with Dell Bigtree. And they had some very, what I thought was some very interesting, they debunked some of the COVID vaccine hysteria. I've been on guard for this too. I realize this is a big, grand genetic experiment. I understand there's no long-term safety testing, but I was not going to jump up and down about every single theory that came down the pike. Uh, this is also when you lose complete faith in your medical system, which you should have done six years ago when I came on air and started explaining it to you. 
then every theory that floats out there, people grab onto it and start quoting it as fact. And I think Ryan Cole and Dell Bigtree, uh, probably two of the best research people on this stuff, uh, they explained a little bit about some of the, I'm going to debunk a couple of the myths about these shots. Let's focus. There's plenty to hate about these shots in this program. We don't need to add any, we don't need to embellish it. It's just like Biden inflation. Joe Biden is absolutely horrific on a whole host of areas. We don't need to pretend like he's the one that caused inflation all by himself. There's plenty to not like about Joe Biden. There's plenty to not like about the shots. We don't need to embellish some things. And, and, a, and I think the best working theory on why some people get these shots and they're absolutely fine and other people have catastrophic consequences. We'll do that when I come I back. I was Instagram. afraid. I was petrified. I kept thinking I could never live without you by my side. But then I spent so many nights just thinking how you'd done me wrong. I grew strong. Here's a fun headline. This was actually on Christmas Eve. It was on the Atlanta Black Star. It just appears to be some kind of a news outlet, uh, maybe focusing on issues affecting the black community. Uh, Here's their headline on on, uh, Christmas Eve. Experts puzzled over why Haiti has one of the lowest COVID-19 death rates in the world despite administering zero vaccine doses. Quote, we don't know. Huh. Huh. Haiti not known to be one of the bastions of uh, picturesque health. Uh, <clears throat> there's a great interview of uh, Dr. Ryan Cole on Dell Bigtree's show. And Dell Bigtree is one of these that's been out uh, along with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. talking about vaccine safety for years and years and years. And I believe that they have, and I think I've suspected this and I've talked about it some before, but the, the reason is here's the problem that we have, this tr- crack we're caught in in this debate over the safe and effective versus the harmful and dangerous camps. If you know people who have taken these shots and they're absolutely fine, you've got a tough time trying to change their mind. Uh, To the point where a lot of people will, number one, they'll refuse to admit that they could have possibly done something to themselves and, God forbid, their children that might have harmed them. If they have not seen any evidence within their family, nobody's killed over and died. None of the died suddenly in their families. Um. It is hard to convince them that this is a grand experiment and it's not going well. And what Ryan Cole uh, talks about is he took 100 vials of these shots and looked at 100 vials of them. So I'm going to debunk a little bit of something uh, in a second here. But the main thing he came out with, he said, these things, the concentrations of how much of this this mRNA, how much of these nanoparticles, all of this stuff, the mixtures are wildly different across batches, different vials. So what is quite possible is that what the people that are having the adverse events got some serious dose of this stuff, while other people got us almost saline. Now, there's no way to quantify this. There's been no uh, recording of this in any way, shape, or form. They talked about the fact they rushed to set up manufacturing facilities for these things, and they really haven't paid much attention to them. So these vials have got wildly different. The message to that to me is, hey, if you made it through the first couple of doses, thank God. Our, all of our prayers are answered. We don't want to see you harmed. But don't take another one of these things. It, that, that, that gets to the Russian roulette thing. So this is good news for people who have taken these things. It still might be tampering with your immune system a little bit, but maybe you dodged a bullet, and those unlucky people 
who didn't have a shaken up vial or whatever happened, they may be suffering those consequences because these vials were so wildly divergent in what they contained. Uh, but a couple of things to debunk real quick. He looked at over 100 vials of these shots. This is Dr. Ryan Cole. And he is somebody who is not pro this shot. He is out sacrificing a lot of his career to talk against this grand experiment. He said there is no graphene oxide in these things. He's looked. It's not there. <coughs> there were also no assembling, self-assembling nanobots. He, he looked at some stuff. He said, look at this. Looks like a circuit board, doesn't it? And uh, Del Bigtree said, boy, it sure does. He said, that's crystallized cholesterol. He said they tested it to see what it was. This is not a guy who is out there. He doesn't work for Pfizer. He's not out pumping the shots. He is warning the public about these things, but he has said there's no graphene oxide. There's no self-assembling nanobots. And my point of this being, uh, don't believe everything you hear because it bolsters your point. So many people lose so much credibility by just accepting everything that's said that is on their side without doing any research whatsoever. Uh, be cautious of that. Anyway, more on this China stuff to come in the days. Riding through this world all alone. God takes your soul. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB, and it's Thursday. We do our Freedom and Prosperity Hour every Thursday. Uh, we've got Stone Clanton with us from Americans for Prosperity. He is calling in today. Didn't make the trip out to Flora today, but uh, Stone, glad to have you with us. I appreciate you letting me call in. Yeah. So you guys are, are gearing up. We talk each week. I ran across a couple of interesting articles I wanted to go over with you, too. Uh, it seemed to feature Mississippi, so we'll uh, we'll get into those. Um, I, I'd sent you one article that that I thought was kind of interesting. They called it the Great Resort, okay. I guess, as, a, as opposed to the Great Reset that we're, see, <laughs> that we're hearing a lot about, that the, the plans they have for us. But this was a story uh, about people moving, uh, basically— you know, political ideology driving a lot of migration around the around the country right now. I wanted to read a little bit out of this because, you know, we've seen what's happened in Florida. I've been scratching my head as to why Tate Reeves, being a political animal that he is, as all governors are, uh, why the Ron DeSantis model was not more emulated here in the state of Mississippi. Because it, I mean, it took Ron DeSantis from you know, as a former congressman and a governor put him smack dab in the middle of possible presidential run. I mean, it, it his stock went up high, so I was surprised we didn't emulate that more here. But when it comes to people moving, it said this, they did a national survey and they asked likely voters, quote, have you moved in the last three years or plan to move in the next year to a region that aligns more closely with your political and or personal beliefs? Over 4% of Republicans and independents said they had already moved in the last three years to a region more closely aligned with their political beliefs. Far more importantly, over 10% of Republicans and over 9% of independents say they plan to move in the next year to a region in which they are more politically aligned. And what's interesting is to give this some actual human body numbers. Uh, they talk a little bit, it's possible the survey respondents exaggerated because it implies that 10.7 million voters will be moving in the next 12 months for a region uh, where they are more politically aligned, and that's a pretty big number given only about 30 million Americans 
across the board move for any reason over the last several years. Uh, it said, on the other hand, in earlier periods, moving was far more common, often exceeding 40 million Americans annually in the 18, uh, excuse me, 1980s and 1990s. So perhaps the survey reflects a coming return to high migration rates thanks to growing political division. And the final thing here I'll read is, for 2022, the Bureau estimated particularly severe population losses for New York, Illinois, California, and other blue states, with Texas and Florida the big winners. Taking the survey and census numbers together, in other words, certainly seems to indicate that conservatives and independents are fleeing the most liberal states and dominating interstate migration. Now, this is pretty interesting to me. Uh, Mississippi, low cost of living, uh, you know, good weather. There's, there are a lot of things about Mississippi to like, but are we attracting any of these people? And, and before people say, well, we don't want all those Californians moving here. Uh, understand that the largest number of these people that are leaving these areas are people who do not subscribe to a lot of the the blue policies that have led to crime and lockdowns and mandates and all of these other things. So these are probably some of the more free-thinking and more productive people in the country. Is Mississippi doing anything to attract those people? Yeah, uh, first, I'll, I'll, I guess I just want to address the fact that uh, these people um, are moving uh, and that, sh- that that that's very telling that people that there is a, a good majority of the country that doesn't like these top-down policy approaches, and they're wanting more uh, free market freedom and prosperity um, across the board. And I'm glad that those types of people want to move away uh, from 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 the states that are uh, producing those policies. I think it's a great example. Of, uh, and later reading in that article, it kind of delves into the Tenth Amendment a little, a little bit, or at least highlights it. And I think that's the beautiful thing about it, you know, <laughs> that we were founded as a uh, democratic republic uh, where states have powers and they can choose those powers. You see uh, states uh, that are more uh, to the right who are um, honing in more conservative policy uh, after the Dobbs case, and you have uh, states that are more left-leaning that are liberalizing abortion um uh and then uh, there's uh, there was another piece that, that that i think it talked about taxes how you know um blue states or whatever, oh, yeah. what you want to call blue states or have high taxes in red states or what, whatever you want to call red states have lower taxes so people are fleeing those policies uh as far as mississippi um not attracting that um i think it's a same song different note um you have states like Georgia, Florida, um, Texas, and even Tennessee uh, that are becoming these economic hubs. Um, you know, you look at places like Atlanta, Austin, Nashville, that some people want to call more uh, liberal areas of the state, and I'm sure they probably are. Uh, but that's that's normal for your big population centers. But the fact of the matter remains that these uh, states' policies – uh, regarding economics uh, um, and business startups and all that kind of stuff, or are more free market, yeah, and that produces prosperity. Now, Mississippi, uh, it's not that I don't think that Mississippi hates the free market. I think that the majority of uh, your elected officials will say that the free market works best, and we have. I mean, I'm sure we do have a pretty free market state compared to a state like California or New York. However, we're not innovative, and it's the same thing you always like to say, Mike. We're not creative. I think yes. you like to say that sometimes. Yes. 
And, and this was, and, you know, this was such uh, a great opportunity because not only, I mean, the taxation stuff I'm sure has been weighing on the heads and the shoulders of conservatives in California. There's a lot of conservatives in California, obviously not enough to swing a lot of elections there, and they don't vote red uh, when it comes to national elections, but there's conservative areas of California, and I can only imagine their frustration just watching their state being destroyed, you know, by the Gavin Newsoms and the Garcettis uh, of the world that are running that state. But these are, you know, these are productive people, and we had this huge opportunity uh, during COVID, particularly, and, and I'm a little worried. I don't know if you heard the first hour. There's there, there's headlines coming out of China that are a deja vu and all over me uh, for the beginning of 2020 when they start talking uh-huh. about China having this big deadly outbreak. But um, we had this huge opportunity to say, here's why we're different. Here's why your business would be safe in our state. We're not going to shut you down. We're not going to shut your churches down. We're not going to tax you to death. You know, there's so many opportunities to distinguish ourselves because only a couple of states did it. And it was basically Florida and South Dakota were the only two states out of all of their states, whether they lean red or lean blue. We know the blue went full on totalitarian. But even the red states, Mississippi was just completely mealy-mouthed, middle of the road, you know, some restrictions, but we'll act like we aren't really restricted. You know what I mean? It was just, it was just complete yeah, and, vanilla. Yeah, and I think that, I think that um, is just one example of how the majority of Mississippi are scared to try new things. Uh, we, uh, and again, it's like the whole creativity thing and being innovative. We always have to see uh if it works someplace else first, we can never be the first to do anything, uh, which is sad. It is. Um, when you're at the bottom I, of the heap I, on a lot of things. Uh, the work that we're doing in, in other groups and uh, even you on the radio talking about this kind of stuff is shifting some sort of paradigm, <laughs> even if it's just uh, an inch at a time. But, I mean, that's an inch we didn't have. But, uh, you know, I, I, again, I think that's just the traditional – conservative and i don't you know i'm not talking about traditional uh politically conservative mindsets i'm talking about conservative in the sense that we're just so scared of trying new things and, yeah. and not getting out there and 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 being innovative and making mississippi the best place to live work and raise a family but um we just have to, I don't know. It, it's, it's very interesting that com- that com- uh, states like California that really have got all of the advantages in the world. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're an industrial hub. They're a technology hub. They've got some of the most beautiful geographic areas in the world. I mean, California is a beautiful state. It's got mountains. It's got desert. It's got beaches. It's got farmland. I mean, it's got everything. And to watch them actively destroying it <laughs> as a as a viable entity. I think uh, California is going to end up being basically like Elysium from uh, from that movie. It's just going to yeah. be where rich elites live with their servant class. Essentially, it's there, and nobody else can even afford to go there. Uh, maybe just as a you know as a vacation, but you just can't afford to live there as a normal person. To watch them destroy a great state, and then to see ours, which is you know a, a great state as far as the people go, but we're on the bottom of a ton of different categories. We have so much ground to make up to to bring prosperity to the state, and we're scared to make any changes. It's it's backwards. Yeah, and I, it's uh, I think it is a matter of we don't have our priorities in the correct places, uh, and the fact that I, I feel like we've settled a lot. You know, uh, you always hear the thing, oh, well, Mississippi's a lot better than it was 20 years ago. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't mean we can, we can't stop progressing and and doing stuff for the better. Um, if you look at a that's a four hundred pound it, person that weighs three hundred eighty pounds now. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah. The I work mean, is just, not done. Yeah, the work's not done, and uh, we got to keep uh, keep the good fight rolling. But it, I don't know it. Again, I think it's still just that that paradigm shift that needs to happen as far as mindsets. We don't have to settle for middle of the road. We can be better. We can do better. Have you seen um, anything? And I, I should have looked this up prior to talking about this with you. Have you seen anything? Is Mississippi has it got population growth or decline? Do we know? Uh, when I was working at the Secretary of State's office. Uh, 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 over a year ago, I remember looking at some stats. I believe the state's population has has went downhill when I was there. Now, in the past few years, uh, or in the past couple of years or so, I'm not sure. But I'll, if I had to just guess, I'd say it was declining uh, with uh, what many people like to call the brain drain. You right, know, uh, right. people moving in that kids moving to Nashville after they finish at Ole Miss or State or moving to Austin to, to do whatever because. There's more stuff to do there. There's more stuff to do there as far as recreational stuff. Plus, there's just uh, better jobs there. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know Jackson, um, the Jackson metro area. If you look at it, uh, I was talking to my family last night. They were like, "What do you do up there when you're not working?" I'm like, uh, "I sit <laughs> in my apartment with my girlfriend, and or I go to the movies with my friends, but." That's, you know, <laughs> and they are getting a top golf, though, so, I mean, that's the, I guess that's a new recreational thing, but, I mean, I think that, that has a lot to do with it, too. There's yeah. nothing here, but, you know, people don't want to come here if there's no other jobs here and there's no population growth, so why would a recreational company want to come in and, you know, it's just, it's a, it's sort of a supply and demand thing. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, I guess it's kind of like a, a relationship. It's not you, it's me, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I yeah, think it's time I, I for mean, us I to... I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. And um, uh, I, uh, I have a lot of friends that uh, that I went to Mississippi College with that just aren't wanting to stay in Mississippi. They're wanting to leave and go try new different things, whether it be going to New Orleans or even uh, going right across the line in Memphis. Um just because, you know, uh, it's more opportunities up there and they have a better tax system than us. Even though we're we're close to getting the income tax repealed, uh, they they pretty much have, have fully repealed it uh, uh, to an extent. Yeah. Well, that, uh, I mean, that, that does matter. And I would imagine a lot of people maybe, you know, or leave, you know, <clears throat> a lot of people out there are picky about wanting water, too. Um, running water. Yeah. Uh, apparently, I mean, is that, a, that's, my mom was talking <laughs> about it yesterday and uh, – as far as the water situation, she's like, what do we do? I said, she said, we're not living in, and, and the thing is, people who don't live in Jackson or the Jackson metro area don't understand how bad it is. I mean, you got people up there, number one, without water. Then you got some people up there where the water leaks have caused power outages so they don't have water or power. Yeah, it's <laughs> in bad. In the up. middle of soon to be January, which is typically our coldest month, uh, hopefully they would have it figured out by then, but... <clears throat> It's, I don't know. It, uh, there's there's bigger and better things out there than a um, than a, than a perceived uh, decrepit capital city. Right. Uh, I love Jackson. I want my capital city to be better than what it is. But if it's looking like that, why would you want to live there? Yeah. Oh well, like, this is my first. Uh, this is my first cold snap in Jackson, living there, and I was actually uh, down on the coast. 
and happened to catch the the national news where <laughs> I was informed that what what I had anticipated was happening, uh, the land of a thousand geysers had actually taken place, and we you know there was no water to one hundred and sixty thousand people. That's the that's the national news reporting on Mississippi. So yeah, we got to get our act together. But it is just time for some kind of innovation, some kind of different thinking. I don't know if it takes you know different politicians, if it takes people demanding something different or interesting i i don't know i don't i don't feel that yeah, vibe coming I, from I a lot know. of people i mean and and uh, as far as some of that stuff goes i mean of course education has a lot to do yes, that. Yes, we're going to be yes, working on that in the yes. upcoming legislative session as much as we can especially when it comes to work for the workforce development aspect of it and getting kids uh who were you know taking a votech class or such uh in the trades and, and basically having them certified by the time they graduate high school which I think would be a great thing if, you know, if they don't want to continue doing that, that's fine. They can go be a doctor or an attorney or a school teacher, but at least they have that certification and an option. And I think uh, that would also help with crime. And I think there's so many, oh, yeah. <laughs> there, there's so many different things you could, you could think of what to do, but um, it's going to take uh, the legislators uh, or at first it's going to take uh, the constituents of the legislators uh having their minds uh, opened and, and shown that there's a different way to do things, and then they can, of course, you know, AFP's a grassroots movement, or it's a grassroots organization, and, and having that grassroots behind these legislators and showing them, hey, uh, we want change in the state, and here's a way we can do it, and opening their minds as well, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. All right, we got to take a break. We're talking to Stone Clanton, Americans for Prosperity. Got another quick article we'll go over, and then we'll talk about what you guys are up to heading into the session. Uh, stick around with us. We will be right back. I tear my heart open. I saw myself shut. My weakness is that I can't do much. And my scars remind me that the past is real. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. We're talking to Stone Clanton with Americans for Prosperity. Stone, I wanted to read one other article to you because it kind of caught me by surprise here. I should have shared this with you this morning, but it speaks for itself. This was actually on Zero Hedge, and it says, Momentum to Axe Income Tax Mounts in State Legislatures. And the opening uh, paragraph of this thing is, Mississippi, this was written by a guy for the Epic Times, John Howie. Uh, at the Epic Times, Mississippi could become the nation's 10th state to eliminate its personal income tax with Republican Governor Tate Reeves and House Speaker Philip Gunn uh, backing differing plans to do away with the levy when lawmakers convene their 2023 session on January 3rd. Is this going to come back up? Are they going to take another swing at it, or are they going to stand pat with this phase-out situation? Uh, if I were to if I were to just uh, gash off the top of my head that isn't going to happen as far as i'm actually doing anything i think there's going to be a lot of talk about it and i'm sure there's going to be a bill to do so but it's just not going to be a pro it's definitely not a priority for the lieutenant governor so it's just not going to get passed either way um uh, i don't know if you've seen his plan or not but a lot of it has to do um with rural hospitals and most likely medicaid expansion um but um of course uh, we're not for that. Yeah, uh, we're for a little bit different mindset of how to uh, take care of the healthcare system. But um, yeah, I just don't see that happening in the long run. Um, that was a, I mean, that was a bold step we made um, this past session. 
uh, wasn't necessarily as far as we wanted it to go. Of course, I, I want a full income tax repeal, uh, but I think it's a really great start. And, and as I noted earlier, yeah, Tennessee kind of repealed it, but not really. But uh, there's some little things there that um, haven't fully repealed it. But I think that we could definitely be the first state to do that. I just don't know when it's going to be. I think they're going to come back to that um, when that flat tax has fully uh, started in the next few years. Um, oh, see, this is Mississippi. Yeah, I, I, this I is Mississippi. Edu- Let's yeah, just, uh, yeah. The other thing the lieutenant governor said was education. Uh, I think they're looking at uh, what they call a uh, – what, what is that uh, school sit, uh, year called? It's basically a modified school year. And to my understanding, it's basically sort of a school year all year round. I don't, I don't, I don't know that for a fact. Uh, that's what one of my teacher friends told me. Um, but uh, I know I wouldn't like that if I was a kid. But, <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, that's a real. Sh- I mean, that, that's Mississippi. Yeah, we're gonna let this phase in over a few years, and then we'll take a look at it and all stuff. And going back to our conversation in the first segment, here's in this story, which now I'm, you know, that's pretty poor reporting uh, for this guy to say that this is expected by Tate Reeves and Philip Gunn. Yeah, you know, I mean, when I, they start I mean, in January third, Mississippi. Yeah, but but uh, what the story I, goes I on to say. It's not realistic, of course. I think there's going to be talk about it. Um, I'm sure a lot of the groups in Mississippi are pushing are pushing it this year. Of course, we would love that to happen. Um, I just don't really see that in uh, our plan this year. Uh, it's not. It's just because it's not realistic. Well, the, um, the story talking about what we were talking about, you know, Mississippi attracting some of these people that are moving to other places. Uh, this story says similar 2023 proposals to erase immediately or phase out state income taxes are also expected to be filed in West Virginia, Arkansas, Iowa, Georgia, North Dakota, Utah, and perhaps Wisconsin. So a lot uh, of states are making these moves. Was Louisiana in there? Who, that Louisiana was in there? It was not on this list, no. Okay, I, I, I know Louisiana is looking to do that, but uh, yeah, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, uh, but <clears throat> anyway, so there's another list of other states that, and again, they, they may have the same kinds of legislature that we have where they, you know, this is going to be mealy mouth stuff to try to earn votes, but it actually takes forever to, to go. But again, these are other states here, most of these, I think, fairly conservative states, um, that are going to make this move, and they are going to attract these people that are migrating out of these blue states, people that want to be productive. And people who are on the system, they don't care about losing income tax, right? I mean, the, the people that, that are moving to low-tax states are producers. They're people who create things. They're entrepreneurs. They are people because they are concerned about paying taxes on their income. So if you want to attract the people that make your economy better, Attract people through tax policy because those are the people who are anticipating making a lot of money, and you want people in your state to make a lot of money. Yeah. Well, uh, I think, yeah, like you said, I think it goes back to our first conversation of uh, are we going to attract people or not. I, again, it, I think it's just a paradigm shift, and, and we're very conservative. We're not going to want to. Um, we typically don't want to do things first, and I, I, I hope that we're able to be the first state to do that. Um, I hate to feel selfish, but I hope <laughs> that uh, that we are the first state, and maybe those other states just only get as far as we did. But uh, I don't know. Um, I, I think, again, this it all – I mean, and this is going to be a, uh, an election year anyway, Mike. It's, uh, it's going to be a fairly lame duck year. 
uh, there's going to be a lot of people that get what they want um, as far as funds go, if I, if I would assume so. Um, but there's probably also going to be a lot of um, um, conservative uh, legislation as far as uh, we don't want to tee the wrong people off either. Um, I, I don't know exactly what to expect from this session. This is, I think it's just one of those years that you just kind of have to cross your fingers. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. All right. Well, I don't want to keep you the whole hour, but I know that y'all have got some stuff coming up. So uh, tell us what, uh, what Americans Prosperity has got going on, how people can reach y'all and all that good stuff. Yeah, in the Jackson area on the uh, on January the 17th at 6 p.m. at our Richland office, uh, we're going to be having our first legislative kickoff uh, where we're just going to be discussing exactly what we're uh, what our fights are going to be this upcoming session, uh, as well as we're going to have one in Meridian uh, later in the month, too, if there's any listeners on here that are from Meridian. Um, up in the Starkville area, if there's any listeners here uh, at the Little Dewey on January 26th at 6 p.m., uh, we're going to be hosting our first uh, northern region open house uh, with our GED up there, Nathan Moore. Um, you can always find out more stuff about that if you just text me at 601-300-9536, um, or you can email me at sclanton at afbhq.org. And then uh, you can find us on Facebook at AFP Mississippi or Americans for Prosperity Mississippi. Uh, same thing on Instagram, uh, same thing on Twitter. And, uh, again, always feel free to reach out to me. Uh, this, again, we're a grassroots organization. And uh, it, in the end, uh, legislators care about what their constituents think. Yeah. And uh, if you want to get involved, uh, you don't know exactly how to do that. Uh, you feel like maybe you're disgruntled with politics. <laughs> I was, I was just about it's an optimistic that. group. It's the reason I got involved, and I want to make a difference, and I feel like uh, we're one of those organizations that actually does. So, Love for y'all to reach out to us. Yeah, well, I do appreciate what y'all do. You could probably walk me back from the ledge several times just because I know <laughs> at least there's somebody working on this stuff. I mean, I, I am, a, you know, an ineffective whiner about this stuff. But when it comes to the state of Mississippi, I, I just, you know, I, I've had businesses that, you know, I could see the trend in sales wasn't going well. And I realized, OK, I've got to do something, you know, very different. I mean, even if it doesn't work, you know, to be trying to do something different. And that's the, the my biggest frustration with this state. I, I'm open that these these other states uh, <clears throat> repeal their income taxes. It gives me some more some other choices of places to go uh, yeah. if, if we need to bug out at some point, because Mississippi <laughs> just does not see, you know, we're such a welfare queen here. We, we have got to unshackle ourselves and, and chart our our own way it doesn't seem that hard but you know if it wasn't for politics it'd probably be pretty easy but uh y'all know more about that than i do so yep well um i do appreciate you let me call in and i hope y'all have a happy new year over there all right oh that's right yeah we're putting another one in the books aren't we all right great well thanks (laughs) uh uh, Father Time's coming in, and Baby New Year's here that's right that's right all right thanks stone the stone clanton with americans prosperity appreciate you joining me all right bye-bye all right talk to you later all right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Stick around. From all over the world, this is Captain America calling. I bailed you up when you were down on your knees. So will it catch me now? I'm falling. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. Boy, I tell you what, Rebels, I tried to cheer for you yesterday. The old Miss played Texas Tech last night. I went to Mississippi State and University of Georgia. 
I like I'm hanging my hat on University of Georgia these days. But uh, I'm, a, I'm an SEC fan. Ultimately, my children spent a couple of years at Ole Miss. My son's moved to a different university, but I, I want to cheer for Ole Miss. Ole Miss did not give us a lot to uh, a lot to cheer for last night. That was a a sad game. I'm sorry for you. Uh, we'll see how Mississippi State does. It was interesting over the course of the holidays. I watched. Uh, I've gotten into because I have such a bad memory for sporting events. I've talked about this before. I can watch old games. I can watch SEC championships from two years ago where I can't remember who won. And it's like a brand new game to me. So since I don't have cable, sometimes I can't get games unless they're pirated on YouTube. Not that I would ever condone such a thing, um, but I can watch old games. I was watching an old <clears throat> Oakland Raiders game. It was my first favorite team uh, in the NFL. And so I was watching the Super Bowl between the Raiders and the uh, and the Vikings. What was interesting about it, besides the fact that it had the best cast of characters ever on a professional football team, John Matusak, Mark Van Egan, Kenny Stabler was the quarterback, Cliff Branch, Fred Bolitnikoff, just an incredible receiver. Anyway, it was a rogues gallery. They broke all the rules. This is this is where my opposition, what is it, uh, oppositional defiance disorder probably kicked in at a very early age. Like, I liked the Raiders because they were kind of against everybody, just kind of rebels. What was interesting about this game that I saw, that was, so this was 1976, maybe. I might be getting the year wrong. There was a distinctive lack of high fives and big cheers after every single play. Now, I don't know if this was necessarily a positive or a negative. If you're on a team sport and you're celebrating each other's victories to help your team win, I don't necessarily see anything wrong with that. There's a little bit of excessive peacocking after some rudimentary plays sometimes in sports. That's to be expected. These are young kids out there having fun and trying to show off, probably for a girl. But it was kind of interesting to me just sociologically. I looked at this and thought, well, they didn't always do this. You would see in this in, a, in this Super Bowl game, the, the, the Mac Daddy of all the games, this was in the Super Bowl, to decide the national championship, you'd see Mark Van Egan break an 18-yard run and then put the ball down and get up and go back to the huddle. Nobody even tapped him on the, on the helmet. And it seemed, at the time I was watching it, I was really wrestling with, is this a good thing or a bad thing? It was so unexpected and so odd. If you go back and watch some of these old games, uh, I don't think they did the high five back then. We were still in the days of the low five. And this whole show is about how old I am. But it used to be just the give me five rather than, I don't know. The high five, I think, came in the 80s pretty much. One of the, this is maybe a, an American intervention. The world caught on to our low five, so we said, I tell you what, we're going with the high five, and then we started this whole thing. But there was just the, the lack of any celebration of this stuff. It, But it, it was kind of refreshing in that it seemed like these were a bunch of athletes that went out there to just do their job. And it was a particularly great game because the Raiders just smoked uh, the Vikings. But if you watch any of these old games, again, I, I in my mind— you know, I have a lot of opinions on a lot of things. Sometimes I have to think them through for a while. I've been noodling on this for four or five days, not giving it a lot of thought. But I'm not sure if it's if it's healthier. Or you know, when we work in our cubicles, for those of you who work in cubicles, 
whatever job you do, with every little victory along the way, we don't get this rapid reinforcement and high fives and celebrations for every single thing. Seems a little excessive at some times, but at the same time, you know, sports is it's it's grueling. A lot of training goes out into game day, and celebrating each other's victories doesn't seem to really be a bad thing anyway. Just an interesting observation. Well, at least I thought it was interesting. I'll be right back. This is Captain America calling. I bailed you up when you were down on your knees. So will it catch me now? I'm falling. All right, final segment for the day today. <clears throat> I'm ready for the new year. It's hard to believe. I can't decide. 2022 seemed to drag on some, but it, when, everything that you look back in hindsight, it seems like it flew by. I'm excited to get to the other side of New Year's Day because I'll be back on my carnivore, <laughs> my carnivore diet. I'm telling you what, between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day, I really kind of let my nutritional freak flag fly. And I got to tell you, I don't feel great. And it kind of, I, I guess this is what most people feel like. Now, I haven't really gone completely uh, insane. I reel myself in a few days of the week, but eh, there's a lot of stuff going on. I like to enjoy myself. There's things I get a craving for. And we need, when you eat a bunch of carbs, you crave more carbs. I do know that. That's why it's so beautiful when you get on a more ketogenic or carnivore or something like that. All those cravings just go away. So, But i got to tell you, I, just, <clears throat> I don't feel great. I feel sluggish. I feel full. Is this how, <clears throat> is this how most people go through their lives? Anyway, <clears throat> starting at the beginning of the year, I will be uh, back to almost exclusively, probably about 75% of my diet coming from Stonington Farm down in South Mississippi. I was down on the coast and really wanted to swing by and and check out the farm for myself while I was down there, but I'm going to make a special trip, spend a little bit more time. I didn't have time yesterday, but uh, this is an organization you've heard me talk about before, and uh, I talked to Katie Stonington, one of the farmers yesterday. She said that they are making plans now. They're going to start coming up to Jackson about every three weeks. So enough people are ordering now. This is absolutely, they started out just doing whole and half cows up here. If somebody ordered, they would bring that up there. They started adding little deliveries. Last time I picked up steak from them, uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a line there. There were four or five people in front of me at their truck. They pulled up and uh, had their beef there. I was just absolutely thrilled to see the line. Met a couple of listeners there. The guy in front of me said, that Mike Madison really talks you up. He's doing a great job for you. And she goes, well, that's him right there. So it was, I appreciate uh, anybody letting people know that you hear about it on WYEB. But they're fantastic people. This is grass-fed. It's Mississippi-born, raised, and processed beef. It is grass-fed the whole way along. No hormones, no antibiotics. Fantastic, fantastic nutritional profile of this. You're going to get a lot more uh, of the omega-3s uh, and this kind of stuff and none of the nasty stuff that the cattle, the big cattle operations uh, run on where they feed their cow's corn which makes the cows sick so they keep them constantly on antibiotics and they use hormones to make them grow faster and then we wonder why we're sick get a good nutritional piece of beef get it from stonington farm they're down in perkston mississippi this is a family-run farm i just can't say enough nice things about them you can check them out at stoningtonfarm.com that's s-t-o-n-n-i-n-g-t-o-n farm singular if you're driving you can't remember that you can email me. See, see what happens when I when I knock my I, I got a frog in my throat. This is not normal. Um, 
You can email me, Mike Madison at WYAB.com. I'll respond to you there. I'll send you their contact information. You can check out their website, see all the great cuts of meat that they've got. Their prices are as good, if not better, than big grocery store chains for a those grocery stores are offering you a nutritionally inferior piece of meat uh, and taste as well. Somebody texted me the other night and said, oh, my gosh, we just did our one of the guys from the station here, our own uh, Dr. Livingston, texted me and said, man, we just cooked up some of those ribeyes. And he had just missed that uh, latest delivery. He said, i got to get on that next delivery. He said the ribeyes were absolutely fantastic. I can attest to that too. But you can go to their, go to their website, check out everything they've got, and then there's a phone number. You're going to call your rancher. And you're going to talk to them. You're usually going to talk to Katie Stonington. Uh, she's going to take your order and tell you, maybe give you some suggestions. I think she's even got recipes she can share with you. Uh, they're just fantastic people. So check them out at stoningtonfarm.com. Uh, I did a replay yesterday and had, had Allison Noe on. She uh, has got a whole story health is her organization that she runs, and she helps people holistically address health problems, particularly women with uh, hormone issues. Which is chronic in our condition in our uh, in the United States right now. Uh, people have emailed me and asked for her contact stuff. I don't have it on me right now, but if anybody wants to get in touch with her, just email me, Mike Madison at wieb.com. To those of you who already have, I will send you her contact information. And uh, she is a wealth of knowledge. I love anybody who's doing holistic health stuff here in Central Mississippi. So uh, she will be on the show again, and I will provide that. Uh, her information to anybody who emails me. I wanted to point this out real quick before I left, just to show you show you the mess that we have created for ourselves economically in this country. And probably most people weren't paying attention, didn't see it coming, uh, don't understand it now, uh, still using the term Biden inflation because you don't understand economics uh, and you're propagandized to by politics. The same way that the Democrats will blame Donald Trump or Vladimir Putin for everything. It's gaslighting. It's pandering. It's it's to keep you distracted, keep you in the fight, keep you on the team, keep you doing carrying water for these two horrific political parties that have been running the place for a while now. Um but here just shows you how kind of twisted uh, the Dow was up 300 points. Here's what the headline is on Market Watch: Dow up 300 points with jobless claims data deemed welcome news for the Fed. And just to show you the 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 disparity between what's good for you and me, and what's good for the the Fed and Wall Street. So again, I'm going to read this headline, Dow up 300 points with jobless claims data deemed welcome news for the Fed. Here's the jobless claim news that's so welcome and that's sent our stock market higher. U.S. jobless claims move higher in, uh, in latest week. Wall Street is currently celebrating that more people lost their jobs, that the economy is deteriorating. Why? Why would they do that, Mike? Doesn't Wall Street love us? Doesn't the Federal Reserve love us? They tell us constantly that their job is full employment and stable prices. The dollar has lost 98% of its value since the, in, uh, since the Federal Reserve came on the scene on Christmas Eve of 1913. The dollar has lost 98% of its value, yet the Federal Reserve still says with a straight face and is reported by the financial news media as their dual mandate of price stability. The currency's lost 98% of its value. Do you understand that's not price stability? <laughs> there was something else I had seen while I was watching that old Oakland Raiders game from the 1970s. There were some, some prices on there. Some of the old commercials were on this because it was just a replay of the actual Super Bowl along with some of the commercials. Just cracks me up when you see some of the prices on some of this stuff. <clears throat> 
It's back there, twenty-five cent hamburgers, stuff like that. Uh, price stability uh, fail. A full employment fail. Uh, so anyway, Wall Street and the Federal Reserve are cheering uh, higher jobless numbers, that more people are losing their jobs. Why? Why would they do this, Mike? Because the Wall Street knows, ooh, if more people lose their jobs, if more people are kicked out of their offices, if the economy really starts to stumble and more and more people suffer, they'll lower interest rates again and we'll get access to that sweet free money that we had since 2008. That's all they care about. Wouldn't you think in a normally functioning economy, that a lot of people having jobs would be great for business, right? More people in productive work earning money so they can buy the goods and services of corporations that are listed on the S&P 500? No, that's not the case. They don't even, I mean, the idea of doing business <laughs> with the American people is, I don't know where it is on the list. I'm not sure if it's in the top 10 anymore. What they really want is they want low interest rates so they can borrow money, buy back their own stock, and financially manipulate their earnings. That's what they care about. So this is a Market Watch headline really stating the obvious, just probably not explained to you the way that I'll explain it to you. The Fed, Federal Reserve, and Wall Street are cheering that people are losing their jobs. Because right now, they, and most of these corporations have saddled themselves with so much debt that higher interest rates, they can't do it. They can't function. They cannot service that amount of debt if the interest rates on it go up. So they cheer. Oh, sweet. More people lost their jobs. That's good news. Bid up stocks. Any day now, the Federal Reserve will pivot and move to lower interest rates so we can get some of that sweet free cash again. This is a perverse system. The incentives are all screwed up. And we and both of our political parties have allowed this to happen. That's all the time I got today. I'll no see you tomorrow. Bye bye. You, you can't stop us now. No matter how hard you try, you can't.